The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome one and all to a very special edition of the NFC East Mixtape. It took 53 of them, but it finally happened. First of all, this is a very unique podcast uh, presented by SB Nation. You can listen to it on the home of all four NFC East team feeds, Blogging the Boys, Bleeding Green Nation, Hogshaven, Big Blue View, because this is the NFC Beast, the greatest division that the NFL has to offer. I am Arjo Cho from Blogging the Boys. He is Brandon Lee Gotten from Bleeding Green Nation. BLG, happy uh, April 19th, April 20th to you. RJ, I can't even come up with a creative intro, you know, a little monologue here because we have some very special guests on the show today. I don't want to waste their time. Okay, let's go ahead and get to it. So normally every episode is just the two of us and, and we get a lot of flack from the Commanders fans and the Giants fans. Hey, get these guys on. Let's get them on. We've had Brian Stabby on from Hogshaven. We've had Ed Valentine on from Big Blue View. But BLG, you and I, we're men of the people. So we brought in Brian Stabby. We wow. also brought in ed valentine the four horsemen are here together ed valentine how do you feel to be in the presence of so much greatness <laughs> i i can't stand all your excitement rj i just can't i just can't stand it i can't deal with it i don't know I, i'm happy to be here but but all this happiness i don't know if i can deal with it uh stabby you're the only one here who um we'll just say has endured what you have as a football fan over the last um lifetime um so do you feel different than than us do you feel a little bit better because you have like a new thing that we don't have like we we can't empathize with you on a certain level new thing like uh, i mean we we did this this? i mean new new thing same same thing i mean it's time's a tugboat it's a flat circle um but i'm glad to be here i'm not sure how i got here but uh I, i appreciate the invite uh, the premise for today's episode, we did do this last year with Ed Valentine, so he is a seasoned veteran at the game, is what could each team do that would make you nervous? What could each team do that would upset you? Uh, so in one example, what could the Dallas Cowboys do that would be upsetting from an Eagles perspective, a Commander's perspective, and a Giants perspective? Ed, Stabby, uh, I know you know that we do go in the order of standings, and as the Dallas Cowboys are the reigning NFC East champions, it should be said a thousand times by all of us in this room, uh, we have to start with them. Um, so Stabby, uh, a congratulations to you. You're a recently engaged man. We're very excited, uh, for you and, and congratulated you last week. I know you listened. Thank you. Thank um, you. I did. Yes, let, I did. <laughs> let's go ahead and start. What could the Dallas Cowboys do? They hold the 24th overall pick in the draft that would make you nervous. Yeah. I mean, when I look at this team, 
it seems to me, um, and again, like I only watched a much, as much Dallas Cowboys football as I was obligated to do, but it seems like the sweeping of the commanders, just to be clear, the Cowboys yeah, yeah, yeah. all we three of your teams. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, I feel like they're kind of once vaunted O-line could use a bit of a boost uh, if they want to keep Dak healthy. And as a now former Zeke Elliott fantasy owner, they need to give him a little bit more um, time and space to do what he needs to do to get back to where he was a few years ago. Um, I also kind of felt like Connor Williams was a bit of a turnstile based on again, what I saw. So I could see them going inside lineman here. I'm not a big like O-line tape eatery type guy but sort of based on where it falls like the pitfalls i could see them going with um like zion johnson out of boston college or Kenyon green out of texas a&m that could be a good fit they also and this is going to be i think a recurring thing for all of these teams could now use a wide receiver with amari cooper out the door um so there's a slot that needs to be filled there so if they really go one of those two roots i could see them becoming better in a way that would make me mad speaking from a dallas cowboys perspective you have nailed um kind of our top two fever dreams um there's zion johnson stands and king green hives and things like that um ed you said last year when we did this exercise that you felt on some level that micah parsons was the best player in the draft you willed him to the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you very much. And we all saw the results that unfolded as a result of that. Do you agree with Stabby? If the Cowboys address the interior of the offensive line, do you feel like that's kind of building things back up to a place where they terrorize these teams once upon a time, like they no. did in 2021? RJ, before before we get to that, I do have to... Uh, you're, you're laughing because I think you know what's coming. I do have to put you in your place a little bit. As, as bad as the Giants have been, five consecutive double-digit loss seasons. It remains insanely satisfying to me that what you have to brag about are NFC East division titles. That is, oh, yeah, my life's that, pathetic. That I'm is, fully aware That is insanely, insanely satisfying to me. I can tell it's also satisfying to to uh, to BLG as, yes. as well. You know, it, it, it just... You're, it's interesting you're, that given that the Giants have the longest division title drought. I mean, well, just well, that out well, there. well, yes, but but how many times have the Giants appeared and won Super Bowls since the last time America's supposed team even sniffed a Super Bowl? Oh, the America's team thing. Here we go. All right, Ed, <laughs> just, let's just, go. Just, literally wearing just, a shirt that says America's team. Just, on, by the way, just to uh, you know, just just to put that out there. Now, to your question, the. The smartest thing the Dallas Cowboys could do, the smartest thing, the thing that would make me the most nervous is to uh, push Jerry Jones to the side and stop allowing him to make decisions. But what I would say, I would be insanely happy if the Dallas Cowboys want to continue their wide receiver carousel. Just go ahead, keep drafting wide receivers, keep, keep churning that turnstile, go right ahead. Do what the Giants did a decade ago and allow the strength of your football team, which for several years has been your offensive line, allow that to fall apart, which is exactly what the Giants did around 2009, 10, 11, 12, when they should have been supplementing an offensive line that at one point in time was the best in the league, but was getting old. They didn't do it. 
they're still chasing the fix. So you go right ahead and ignore the offensive line in the first round. I'll be, I'll be incredible, incredibly happy with that, but I'll be annoyed if they do the smart thing and draft Kenyon Green or, or Zion Johnson or Tyler Linderbaum, if you want to go that way, for, for all of my Tyler Linderbaum groupies out there. So, because <laughs> I know that because I know they're out there because I hear from them at Big Blue View all the time. Uh, Tyler Linderbaum was not a 30 visit for the Cowboys, so it doesn't seem like they're interested in him. They do have Tyler Biotis, who they actually traded up to draft with the Philadelphia Eagles two years ago. Uh, the Cowboys, Ed, to your point, would effectively have spent three first round picks in a four year stretch if they do take a wide receiver, having traded their 2019 first for Amari Cooper and taken CD Lamb in 2020. Uh, BLG, your team might take three first round wide receivers in a row. Um, do you agree with Ed that the Cowboys taking a wide receiver would be a commitment to the wrong side? of this fork in the road do you agree with stabby that um adding to the offensive line would be kind of getting back to to where they made their bread so to speak well if you recall last year at this time rj and ed uh i was most afraid of the cowboys addressing their offensive line then and getting like let's say every sean slater now obviously they got mike parkson's it worked out for them but my point i think was still had some validity in that i felt like the cowboys season would be undone not because the defense was bad, but because the offense wasn't going to be firing on all cylinders. And that could be potentially uh, be undone by the offensive line, not being the total strength that has been for them in the past. And that kind of happened. So um, I do think uh, like Stabby and like Ed said here that Cowboys need to address their interior offensive line. I think that's pretty obvious. You mentioned the prospects to uh, Zion Johnson and Kenyon Green. Um, and having some versatility in there is really important because, you know, Tyron Smith's going to miss some games at some point. But to not copy those answers and take it in a different way, there is something that's kind of makes me a little bit nervous that I've seen already. And that is the Cowboys are having Jordan Davis in for a pre-draft mm. visit. And I don't think Jordan Davis is going to fall that far to where the Cowboys are picking. At least I hope not because I hope the Eagles get him or have a chance to draft him. But if the Cowboys get him. I think Jordan Davis has the potential to, and I don't know that, you know, he's going to be this scary monster. Uh, ultimately, you know, he wasn't obviously a great pass rusher in college, but you have a guy who's literally like the second most athletic draft prospect ever from a testing standpoint. And he's 6'6", 341. I just, that's a monster. And you would put him on a defense that already has Micah Parsons and potentially could create even more lanes for him and drawing more attention. That scares me. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys have not drafted a defensive tackle in the first round since the last time that the Commanders won the Super Bowl. It was the 1991 mm. uh, number one overall pick when they took Russell Maryland. Uh, incidentally, Maryland, Washington, you know, Commanders, everything. Um, so I don't think that would happen. They love to ignore that position and just kind of bring in rotational guys. But I would love to be wrong. I would love anything that you all said because I want to see all of you be miserable and disgruntled, especially uh, Brandon Lee Gotten, which means the Philadelphia Eagles have to suck. Stabby, what do you not want to see the Eagles do? They, of course, have two first-round picks, one of two teams that we're going to discuss that have two uh, or multiple first-rounders. They have already pulled off a trade, but they currently sit at 15 and 18 in the draft. Um, you can answer that you don't want to see them trade up or trade down. Like, you can get creative with this. It's all up to you. Yeah, I think that um, the Eagles are going to be making some picks that are contingent on the guys that Washington probably doesn't take. Cause I do think that Washington takes a wide receiver in the first round because they really need one. Um, this seems to me also to be a wide receiver heavy draft. Like there's a lot of good options there. 
knowing the Eagles and their history, they um, will go ahead and do whatever the funniest thing is that's possible by picking whoever they pick. It's going to be like the guy that it shouldn't have been. And I'm just like, I'm really relishing whoever that might be. Um, and it doesn't even really matter who it is because it's just like that's how the cards fall. Um, so I guess what would make me most mad is if they don't duff that pick at wide receiver. <laughs> I mean, they have a couple of shots at it based on uh, their recent and intermediate history. Uh, they probably will find a way to do it. So I guess maybe they could just scoop up the wide receivers and you know play the play the numbers game there and hope that one of them works out. Um, from where I sit, that seems like a pretty big need just to give some weapons and hope that you know they have found the magic sauce though i will remain skeptical until i actually see it happen ed uh stabby didn't say it by name but we should the philadelphia eagles drafted jalen rager and they did so ahead of justin jefferson just mm -hmm. so that we're all aware i mean Is all cards true? all cards on the table um, they drafted Devontae Smith. They leapfrogged your New York Giants last year to do so. You really wanted Devontae Smith. Dave Gettleman pulled off the shock of the world and traded back. Uh, and Devontae Smith might not even be the best. He's definitely not the best rookie wide receiver from last year's class. He might not even be the second best because Kadarius Tony exists. Uh, do you feel like uh, do you feel like uh, uh, getting the wide receiver right would be the thing that would terrify you the most from a Philly perspective? I don't know about terrify, RJ, but I will say that the Eagles have already done the thing that annoys me the most, that by making the trade that they made to pick up the second first round pick in 2023, because, you know, Brandon might not like it, but the Eagles are largely in the same spot that the Giants are in. They, Drag them, Drag they, them. they may or may not be committed to Jalen Hurts, they're committed to Jalen Hurts for this year, but we don't know if Jalen Hurts is going to be the Eagles quarterback beyond 2022. They went and picked up that second first round pick, which is what I'm hoping the Giants will actually do, depending on how the first round plays out, because we don't know what's going to happen with Daniel Jones. I mean, they want to give Daniel Jones an opportunity with Brian Dable and Mike Kafka. And I don't blame them for that because if you guys have studied quarterback hit rates in the first round of the NFL draft, it's like 33%. The NFL sucks at evaluating and developing quarterbacks. They legitimately suck in that category. They don't, it's, it's, other than drafting Joe, Joe Burrow and, and getting the first overall pick right, it's a complete hit and miss as to whether you get it right or not. And I don't blame the Giants or the Eagles for, you know, for taking one more shot with the guy that they have. But both teams could be in the market next year, and the Eagles with two first-round picks are already in that spot that I would love to see the Giants in with two first round picks where they might be able to maneuver the board a little bit. And to your point, they not only traded back and picked up a future first, but of all the teams that have future first rounders already, and that list will only continue to grow, they hitch their wagon to maybe the worst team, right? Like the Lions have the Rams first round pick as an example, but New Orleans could very much be a disaster. We have no idea what they're going to do with the, the picks that they acquired from the Eagles. So I'm with you. And, and just to, to add on to that, to piggyback onto that, 
I, I would say that I would be really annoyed and really upset if they traded back. It's kind of annoying um, as, as somebody who roots for the team that won the division last year, that two of the three teams aren't even really taking it seriously. Like it feels like the Giants and Eagles are both really patient about this and, and neither team, sorry, Stabby, um, is, is trying really hard to win, which is what makes the commanders a lot funnier. Again, sorry, Stabby. Um, but it, it again, is it feels funny. Like I don't, I don't deny <laughs> that. I don't deny <laughs> that. Uh, it's, it's so, it's kind of boring. It, it's, it's to be frank, it's boring that the Giants and Eagles are just kind of not punting, but but acknowledging that this is a process that's going to take time. And so I'm I'm upset to see them in that boat. I would be really miffed if the Eagles traded back again and maybe not picked up a, another future first, but picked up more capital because I don't think they have a pressing need right now, Brandon. I think that they are in a fine spot to be somewhat competitive and maybe be a playoff team like they were last year and feel good about themselves, all while you know building for the future in the process. That's annoying to watch. I think Ed hit on it and in terms of like what they needed to do most was get that 2023 first round pick because they need the I, I don't think Jalen Hurts is very likely to be the guy and they need that ability to pivot next year and just because they have that doesn't guarantee they will because as I've said there's four other teams that have two first round picks next year so don't even know for sure if there is a light at the end of the tunnel for the Eagles when it comes to the quarterback position just because you get that first round pick but that was really big uh, the thing I want them to do the most is Try to find needle movers, guys who can be special. I think Jordan Davis has that potential as someone who is just so rare of an athlete. And then someone like Jamison Williams, who had 19.9 yards per reception last year. Like that is just a crazy mark. I know he was the injury knocks him down a little bit, but you have to find guys that are the Eagles just need like more blue chip talent, guys who can be special. And I think that's kind of what they need to do most. So if they take, uh, if, they, if they're swinging for the fences on someone, I, I'm okay with that. Um, well, hopefully they miss. <laughs> Ed, I, I, I said that the commanders were funniest, but we do go in the order of division standings, which means that they are next, uh, which means that your Giants are last. So, um, so you know, it's all thoughts and prayers to the Giants, but we'll, we'll get there. I got we'll nowhere there. to go, uh, RJ, so we'll you know, all <laughs> so, good. Well, we can go to you first, Ed. Uh, you know, the commanders are one of two teams that only have a single first-round pick. Uh, Ron Rivera has made sure to let everybody know how seriously he has taken this year. That, that They looked under every rock for a franchise quarterback. Um, they sit with the 11th overall pick where your New York Giants sat last year. Um, maybe had the commanders been there last year, maybe they would have been the team to take Justin Fields instead of the Giants trading back with the Bears. Um, obviously, a quarterback would be kind of strange or kind of weird for the commanders this year in the first round. Stabby mentioned wide receiver as a need. Is that it? Like, are, are we worried that Terry McLaurin's situation is kind of hanging over the commander's heads, even though he's a, a team leader, as Adam Schefter made sure to remind us all? Um, would, would that be what bothered you the most? Or are we all just accepting that Carson Wentz will doom this season no matter what they do? <laughs> well, the, RJ, th this is not high-level analysis. I'm not even sure it adds much to the show. But I worry about very, very little that the Washington Commanders do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, even even as the perennial last place losing team, I worry about very, very little that the Commanders do. I mean, if if they happen to if they happen to get this right, I mean, let's put it this way: the the only thing that would annoy me is if Kyle Hamilton happens to fall to eleven. And the Washington Commanders are the team that is smart enough to make that pick. Because for me, BLG used the term needle movers. And I don't care. 
I don't care about position value or any of that stuff. For me, I don't care about 40-yard dash times and, and any of that. Kyle Hamilton is a needle mover. He is a guy that changes whatever secondary or whatever team is smart enough to draft him. And and, and in the right scenario, I'd love to see him with, with the Giants. But but if if he falls that far and, and Washington is smart enough to grab him, I think that would annoy me. It'd be particularly funny for all of us at, uh, because the Giants would have at least passed on it once, you know, maybe only once if they do successfully trade back, but maybe twice if they're un- unable to. Um, Brandon, um, this is our 53rd volume of the mixtape. Again, it took 53 to get all of us here together at the same time, but technically our 54th episode because we did have, I don't know if you know this, Stabby, the emergency mixtape when Carson Wentz was traded mm-hmm. uh, to the Commanders. Um, it, so do you agree did, with Ed? Did that, that- did, that, did that really warrant an emergency episode? You know, we were, we were, yeah. we had our finger on the trigger. We were ready to pull that. I mean, you know what I mean? So we just, we needed something to, to give us an excuse to kind of fire off the, the bat signal of the, the people were clamoring for it. So we had to answer. <laughs> um, but, um, we kind of talked then Brandon again, sorry, Stabby, how like that just ruined whatever hope the commanders had this season. So, so do you agree with Ed that like, you know, the Kyle Hamilton thing, I think, is, is maybe the, it's going to be tough to beat that answer. Um, is is there anything that, that Washington could do that would make you maybe not be terrified or nervous, but would make you, you know, the meme, um, the guy uh, like playing video games, that's relaxing and, and then sits up and, t- and starts taking it seriously, like maybe be that way when it comes to the commanders. Poor, poor Stabby takes his time out of his day to come on and RJ is just like crushing him. Like, Ed's the one who said it. I'm, I'm just navigating the waters. That's I all. think hey, I'm the troublemaker. I'm, I, I'll admit it. I'm the troublemaker. Can I go make a coffee or something? I, I can come back when this is all over. So, yeah, it's like, why don't you just sit here, Stabby? And with all this. Stabby, we still have Manchester United. Don't worry. Well, right. yeah. No, that's no, sure. um, uh, the biggest thing, Kyle Hamilton is a good answer. Um, Derek Stingley in that mold. I think if he falls there, although, like, if he goes to Washington, I might kind of be like, okay, then Derek Stingley is definitely not going to work out then. Like, I don't know <laughs> if I have the faith he's going to succeed there, but there would at least be like a ceiling there. The number one thing, though, that would scare me is the Washington commanders adding Jamison Williams. I think that's really scary. A guy like for all of Carson Wentz's faults, he, he can throw the ball down the field. I've seen him do it. Like he can throw the ball deep, and I don't know. And he, too often he overthrows his target. I don't know if he can overthrow Jamison Williams because that guy can run down the field and he is fast as heck. And again, maybe I don't fully trust Washington to be the team that gets him back on track and handle his recovery. Right. But I would be scared of the upside there. I would, I think they have to get a receiver. Obviously I'd said I wanted the Eagles to take Williams too. So that would be a factor for me. Um, but like if they're taking, let's say Drake London or even maybe Olave, I'm just not as scared as, as them getting someone with the upside, of Jameson Williams. So that would be the kind of the scary pick for me. Stabby, just so you know, uh, two years ago, BLG had his favorite wide receiver draft prospect stolen from him by a team in the division because uh, Bleeding Green Nation was obsessed with CD Lamb, who now wears number 88 for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, my answers are very similar for all these teams, which I don't think is shocking, just given the position that the Cowboys are in. I would be nervous, and I know it's easy, Stabby, to fall in love with a wide receiver. And 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 just, like, that's the one. That's the guy. That happened with, with Brandon last year with Devontae Smith. And sometimes it works out, and you feel very happy about it all. Um, but sometimes, you know, you adjust and you move on the fly. I would be bothered if Washington moved back and still wound up with, if it's not Jameson Williams, Chris Olave or Traylon Burks, still got somebody that could be a difference maker because, look, we, we make the Carson Wentz jokes. 
I don't think he was awful last year. I think he was a very similar player to Matt Ryan, which is why I think the Colts are more embarrassing than the commanders, to be honest with you, Stabby, um, and, and to give you a boost in, in some way. And so it, I, I think if you're, if you're the commanders, you have to be all in at this point. You have to go all in. And it would be really frustrating if they did salvage something out of Carson Wentz's career and picked up future draft capital in the process. I think that's the phase that I am terrified about each of these teams being in. And Philadelphia is already kind of halfway there with future draft capital. New York is kind of halfway there with seemingly being on the verge of having future draft capital. It would bother me if I had to be tracking all of these picks in the future for every single team, knowing that the Cowboys are kind of on the downward end of one run while everybody else is loading up for another. I mean, I think it's one or the other, though. Like, either they put weapons in place around Carson Wentz to make him successful, or they trade back and add capital in the future. I don't think it's possible to do both. And I'm not going to give you the Stockholm Syndrome, like, defense of Carson Wentz that I've come to um, that mostly surrounds, like, future cap flexibility which is really the big upside here um but yeah i think when you look at washington you've kind of all hit the nail on the head like there are wide receivers out there i don't think anyone mentioned garrett wilson though because i also think he might be in that realm but like any of these guys would be good kyle hamilton people that's like the one that hogs haven's fallen in love with and you know that safety linebacker thing we've tried that before with landon collins we tried it with sua cravens it's sort of like the same type i think they if they go with him they're hoping for different results but yeah like he's super fun to watch and ultimately when you're a commander's fan and you're just looking for something good and fun like you'll take good and fun guys even if the fit's not there just to like give you something good and fun to watch that just doesn't do the head and hands uh we're talking memes and gifts just like the Stephen Colbert with like all the hands face palming yeah I, I think you're right though like it's gonna be on paper like hard to say like okay well this is the piece that moves them forward enough to like get them over the edge um but I think again based on based on the the high volume of available wide receivers in this first round they'll probably get a guy who can fit that good and fun mold and at least will make them more watchable on offense. I can also guarantee Ron Rivera will say that was the player they had at the top of their board. Oh, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Ron Rivera, low key. Every coach and GM say that. Yeah. Yeah. But Ron Rivera makes it a point that he's like, Ron Rivera brags about like the silliest things. Like it's, you know, think about it. Like only one coach in this division wears a Letterman jacket. You know what I mean? Like, it's I, I'm not proud of my coach. You know what I mean? To be very clear. You were last year. Yeah, you were all in, and I was not ready. Who to won the division? That's right. Y'all will respect Mike McCarthy's name. He has division. more mm -hmm. he has more NFC East titles than Nick Sirianni or Brian Dable. So, you know, these are facts. Uh but anyway, how does season end again? Speaking of Brian Remind Dable, me. uh, let's finally get to the New York football giants uh finally free of jason garrett and the spell that he casted over the offense and i will be very frank with you um there's nothing that the giants could do that would terrify me kind of your washington answer but what blg and i have talked a lot about on the mixtape is it is already frustrating kind of like what you said about the eagles to see that the giants are no longer operating in an incompetent way the giants are acting like an actual professional football team um very similar to the idea i think that they think of themselves as and and kind of the you know mirage that they have been living in for the last few years 
I love the Brian Dable hire. I, I love the idea of what he can be for Daniel Jones, obviously, given his success with Josh Allen. I love the Wink Martindale hire. I, I love everything that the Giants are doing. And so whether it's a trade back, whether it's blue chip prospects, the way you put it, I am I if I have to surrender that any one of the fears that we're all talking about are going to happen, it's that I think the Giants are going to walk away with something that annoys me. And I've already, again, come to terms with that. I don't know what it is, but I feel very confident in that because I think that Joe Shane deserves a lot of credit. I think that he has handled things very well well this offseason he is we, we talk about the messes that the cowboys or the eagles or the commanders are and i think that they're more like polarizing messes and, and more funky messes the giants have been kind of an organized mess you know like they're just really good at you know uh like they, they have their family fight in the car on the way to the big family dinner with the extended family and then when they get out everybody puts a smile on and they shake hands whatever and then they go home and cuss each other out uh brandon is that fair i, I mean as we set ed up with all of our fears I have no idea what you're trying to say half of the time, yes, but I will give you my opinion on what makes me most afraid of the Giants. And I think it's pretty simple. It's like the Giants, if they trade down and enter this mix of teams, they include the Eagles next year in that that hunt for a quarterback next offseason, that's pretty concerning. And I think they're just in such prime position to do it with picks five and seven. I think, you know, five is really the sweet spot there with the Carolina Panthers picking at six. And it's just such an obvious point that teams feel like they might need to jump up to to get a quarterback there at number five. I think you might be able to get a really good haul. I mean, the Eagles got a good haul for for what they did. And they're in the middle of the first round. And you, when you look at the precedent of that, there really isn't one. When you're looking at the, you know, the, the trade downs that get you a future first round pick, it's where the Giants are. So I think they're in a really strong position to do that. Also, we talked about Ed talked about what plagued the Giants for so long or what caused their downfall and the, the just total neglect of their offensive line for years still ongoing. And they're a really good position to both trade down and still pick up a top tier offensive lineman. And I depending on the way the draft goes in those first few picks, and if there is a trade up for a quarterback, so really this would kind of be like a double whammy for all the NFC East fans outside of uh, the New York area, would be like a top tackle like let's say Evan Neal being pushed down so the Giants getting him and getting a future first round pick like that would be a really concerning thing not so much for this season and thinking the Giants are going to turn it around this year but very much so that they are closer to being on the right path or are on the right path so I would hate to see that. Stabby before you give your deepest fear and really just deepest insecurity we're mm -hmm. learning about you and like yeah, you know snakes. putting you under the microscope here yeah um which which quarterback do you think has a a higher chance of turning it around on, on the whole of their career, Daniel Jones or Jalen Hurts. I think it's Daniel Jones. And I think a huge reason for that is the presence of Brian Dable. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. BLG really hates Jalen Hurts. I think he probably agrees that it's Daniel Jones too. But which Hurts. of those which of those two are you more concerned about? Because I like hearing BLG's you know fear that that the Giants could pick up draft capital. What would be like extra annoying, like annoying to the nth degree, is if they do pick up all this extra draft capital in the thought of picking up a future you know franchise quarterback, and that Daniel Jones turns it around, and so they don't have to spend that on, on a quarterback. I mean, which, which of the two are you more concerned by? I think that we've seen out of daniel jones what we're gonna see out of daniel jones. wow i'm not i'm not attacking ed's family i'm not really in <laughs> there though i know you guys are, are talking a big game on brian dable i i love that pick mostly for the um for that pickup mostly for the aesthetics of it like i know that game of thrones references are out of vogue at this point but i feel like in the same way that there has to be a stark in westeros um 
there needs to be like a refrigerator shaped, fully rectangular, red faced man patrolling the <laughs> sidelines in New York. It just like or Winterfell. Oh my gosh, I duffed my reference, but just like a total, like a ruddy, red faced, big hulking guy. That's just like that's New York Giants football, man. Like that's really what it's all about. Um, so I don't know. I just like I'm curious, and I have like guys that I think would be good here. I think Evan Neal would be awesome. He reminds me of Trent Williams, like he's big and strong and fast. What's to say, and we're talking about like quarterback development, why are we like totally out on the idea that they draft Malik Willis and then sit him for a year and like let him do that development and try to light a fire under Daniel Jones and like see what they've got? Because I, I hate this idea of throwing rookie quarterbacks to the wolves. It like works so poorly for the majority of the time. I think there are a lot of quarterbacks whose careers would have been better served to sit and watch and learn for a year or two. Like, could the Giants be a pick to do that here, given their flexibility? Ed? I would be absolutely shocked if the Giants did that. I think that the Giants have pretty much telegraphed their quarterback intention here. And I think they did that by signing Tyrod Taylor. I think that especially Giants ownership wants to give Daniel Jones this final opportunity. And, and again, I don't blame them, you know, for the simple reason that, that you've been through, this will be Jones's third head coach. It'll be his fourth offensive coordinator. You haven't put a good offensive line around him. You know, they tried to bulk up the receiving core last year and everybody got hurt. Saquon Barkley hasn't had a healthy season since 2018. And it's just hard to find the right quarterback. I think they have telegraphed their intention here. They're going to give Daniel Jones the opportunity this year. They're not going to draft a guy to sit behind him at least not in round one, there's a, there's a little nagging voice in the back of my head that wonders if they might take a flyer on Sam Howell and on day two, if he's sitting there at 36, but what they're going to do is give Jones this year. If he doesn't show them what they want to see, they'll start Tyrod Taylor in 2023. They'll draft somebody. They'll develop that player. By the end of 2023 or 2024, the beginning of 2024, that quarterback will be their guy. Ed, um, we've all talked about the prospects of New York trading out of one of their first round picks and picking a future draft capital. What What's a successful draft for the Giants if they don't? If, if they have to sit and pick, whether they don't get an offer or they don't get an offer that they find appealing, uh, obviously their pick is the fifth one. And, and New York's, that that was a successful trade on. Obviously, you get a top 10 pick anytime that happens. It, it's successful. So five and seven, what 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 constitutes a success if the Giants make those picks? That's, that's easy for me, RJ, because I have been pointing at what I think is the, the home run draft for the Giants if they sit at five and seven. I've been pointing at it for weeks. I think it's Sauce Gardner and whichever one of the three offensive tackles they like, or if they want to take Sauce Gardner at five, whichever one's left at seven. Listen, I love Icky Equinu. I would love to watch this guy, you know, drive defenders into the turf, you know, for the next six, seven, eight years. But, you know, 
Evan Neal would be tremendous because he's a day one starter at right tackle, a guy that could move into to, to guard if you wanted him to. And I, I keep hearing it and I buy it that the Giants love Charles Cross. We're doing a thing at Big Blue View seven for seven because Joe Shane said he wants seven guys that he wants to enter the draft with seven guys he'll feel good about if he has to take any of them in the top seven. And Charles Cross is in my top seven. He's the, he's the cleanest pass protector in the draft. I don't want to hear that Charles Cross can't play right tackle because he's 21 years old and he can learn. And if you've really, really watched the tape, yeah, he hasn't done a lot of run blocking, but I've watched him drive guys off the ball often enough and get out in space and and, and clear paths for running backs often enough to, to believe that he can. So for me, the home run scenario is whichever offensive tackle they like and Sauce Gardner, because Sauce Gardner is the perfect player for Wink Martindale. I really like that answer, Ed. In fact, you've inspired uh, one of two final quick around the horn subjects that we'll touch on here on this special. I don't know, like we need a, a word like BLG said. It's hard to come up with one. This like quadcast. Yeah, mm. this is an amazing edition of the mixtape um, home run scenario so that we can, you know, hold each other accountable. We can say like, crap, that's exactly what Ed wanted. And they got it. That really sucks. Um, we all have to deliver content after all. Mine for the Cowboys, uh, because I know everybody cares, uh, is one of the guards. If they walk away with Kenyon Green, that would be my preference of the two, if anybody cares. Uh, Zion Johnson, if they walk away with guard help, I'm fine. I would love. We do mock drafts every Monday uh, on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel. We call it Mock Draft Monday. Nobody in this business does anything like that. Mm -mm. Um, and recently, we traded back with the Chiefs, uh, obviously another team with multiple firsts, and still walked away with Zion Johnson and picked up a third-round pick. That's my true feedback. Dream is pick up the Cowboys right now only have three picks in the top 100 get another one even if it's down near the very end and still walk away with a day one starter at guard that's what I want more than anything um Stabby what what do you what's your fever dream is it you know Garrett Wilson is it Jameson I mean you know put put a name put a, a kind of range on us and also plug something that you're working on like we're all doing because we're all shameless uh my fever dream is that a bunch of Blackhawk helicopters go and fly over the Snyder compound and then they all <laughs> repel in break through the windows grab him and we just never see or hear from him <laughs> well that wouldn't be even be the first storyline this year to involve helicopters because we had the the team store or whatever yeah, yeah. like so, I mean. you know i truly when they were doing the the team store thing and the the helicopters i still was so deluded i was like they couldn't possibly be stupid <laughs> enough that they, like this is all a misdirection like i'm i'm totally far gone at this point like there is no saving me um, from the draft, I don't know. We'll just say Kyle Hamilton because he rules. Um, <laughs> but again, Blackhawk helicopter situation is definitely the fever dream. And I don't know. What am I working on? Um, we're, we're still building out our little podcast over on Hogshaven, the Cult of Colts. Me and my co-host Gumby. We have, we have a good little time. Mostly talking about crazy stuff like that. There's a fantastic pizza place in College Station where Kenyon Green and I went to school called mm -hmm. Gumby's. So nice full circle mm -hmm. um, you know, situation there. They have great pizza rolls. BLG, uh, what is your thought on pizza rolls and what is your fever dream for the Philadelphia Eagles? I can't believe there's good pizza down in great pizza down in Texas. Um, College skeptical, Station, Texas, please. Skeptical, highly <laughs> skeptical, especially at yeah, the college campus. Um, first of all, I just want to thank uh, Ed and Stabby for coming on because it's good to see the listeners because I've been reading. I've 
Giants fans and Washington fans in the uh, Hogshaven slash Big Blue View Apple Podcast sections being like, "You guys, what's up with these? You guys get crushed. Yes, you guys get crushed in the comments there. Yes, you do. I and love all these teams, just and, for the record. And if and they were listening and they want to give us feedback, that's fine. I'm not saying they have to sing our praises, but, uh, you know, look, we're, we're trying to be fair. I think we try to be fair. I think you can't say, you know, like we, we might rip on teams, but I rip on the Eagles all the time. So it's not like I'm just like being a homer over here. Anyway, uh, my dream situation for the Eagles would be them getting Jamison Williams and Jordan Davis in some combination at 15 and 18. I think that would be great. I think the upside with those guys is worth it. Um, you look at defensive tackle, that's kind of like a sneaky need for the Eagles in the sense that Fletcher Cox shouldn't have been brought back at $14 million in the first place. But he is, and he'll be a free agent after the season. Javon Hargrave will be a free agent after the season, so they need more on the interior there. And then wide receiver, again, their top three guys right now are Devontae Smith, Quez Watkins, who I like, but it's probably ideally more of a three and Zach Pascal, who was signed for a million-dollar, basically, contract. And really, you don't want him long-term, especially as your number three. So to get Jamison Williams in here, just why not load up on Alabama wide receivers, Devontae Smith and Jamison Williams? That would not be the worst thing you could do. So hoping for that. And as far as content, obviously, just keep it tuned to BleedingGreenNation.com. So many good things happening all the time, in addition to the podcast feed as well. RJ, what about you? Uh, I already gave this answer. You would know if you listened to, to I don't the show. listen. Sorry, uh, forgot. <laughs> so um, say it you know, again. I want to hear it again. Well, I said that you know with no, again, I don't the whole A and M thing, Kenyon Green, whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> final question for all of us, and we, we're gonna we got to do this again. Like we're, this isn't like a lame thing. We're like, oh, we got to do this again. No, okay, we're actually going to do this again. We'll no, definitely at the very do least it do it uh, before the season starts. But uh, this is before the draft. That's fully acknowledged. We're recording this. Everybody knows uh, on Tuesday, April nineteenth, two thousand twenty-two. They can listen to it on any of these podcast networks. They can also watch it on the Blog of the Boys YouTube channel or the Bleeding Green Nation YouTube channel. So we're all on the record today. Things will change, but we're going to go in ascending order as far as division standings from last year, which means Ed Valentine, you are first. Shout out to Joe Judge, uh, who did beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Who wins the NFC East in 2022? Well, I'm going to pick the Eagles for the simple reason. How dare you? Ed? For the simple reason that nobody wins the NFC East twice in a row. And 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 the Dallas Cowboys and and you always hate me for saying this, RJ, the Dallas Cowboys are always less than they should be. Oh, for sure. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I hate you for like, acknowledge, like making me like forcing me to acknowledge it. It's totally true. But yeah, I mean, I don't enjoy that. Um, wow. Um, any other pain you want to cause me Ed, or should we go to stabby? Just, I mean, you, you can move on now. Cause I, I could sit here and cause you pain for the rest of the afternoon. <laughs> stabby. I would be remiss if I did not remind you that you picked the commanders to win mm -hmm. the NFC East mm -hmm. last year. Yep. Um, you doubted the Cowboys and um, the legend of Mike McCarthy, and you had to eat all that crow. Uh, so who wins the division in 2022 and why? This is the best the story time. Of the girl. This is the, yeah. River. yeah, we, we this, this is the story of the NFC East. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing you, you talk about ripping on one another, at least for commanders fans. And I actually think it meets the foots, the bill for, for all of us. No one, no one rips on, on our team harder than anyone uh, other than ourselves. Um, years ago, not that many years ago, Bruce Allen, the now disgraced Bruce Allen said that we were winning off the field. 
Um, this is the best time of the year to be a Washington Commanders fan because they haven't lost anything yet. And so by virtue of that, I'm going to go ahead and say at this point on April 19th, 2022, the Commanders win the division. Boom. <laughs> I thought you were going to say this was the best time because the Capitals are usually in the playoffs. That was uh, honestly yeah, thought that you were too. Yeah, Caps, they had a huge win last night over the Avs. I could, are we doing Caps talk next? Because I'm ready for that. <laughs> I, I could talk hockey for a long time. <laughs> Um, okay, so we've got one vote for the Eagles, one vote for the Commanders, um, in, uh, both in earnest. Uh, Brandon, um, your vote next. Who wins the NFC East in 2020? I want you to go first. No, we go in ascending order. The mm. Eagles were second last year. I'm yeah, sorry. But I still want you to go first. Um, all right. Uh, I'll take the Eagles, and it's not a homer pick because uh, it's not because I think they're going to do much of anything if they make the playoffs, but by virtue – as Ed pointed out, of there never being a repeat NFC East winner. And not just that, but also because there are very clear indicators that the Cowboys are set to take a step back in 2022 when you look at, you know, Micah Parsons, his production, and Trayvon Diggs and his production, and, you know, the health of the Cowboys, and, and just a lot of, and, and then them losing a bunch of players and free agency. Like, there's so many signs that point to the Cowboys kind of regressing, taking a step back. Maybe not to, you know, being a terrible team, but just not being the team they were last year, at least for a good portion of the season before they ultimately ended the season in very embarrassing fashion, where I feel like we don't talk about that enough, about how the Cowboys, you know, they just, it was probably the most embarrassing end to anyone's given season, just the way the clock ran out on them. I mean, the, the Colts are obviously up there with how they got eliminated, but if we're talking about the playoff teams, um, and maybe you want to throw the Packers in there, whatever. In any case... Uh, I think the Eagles have such an easy schedule next year too. And for all their faults, we've like, we've seen them being able to take care of easy teams. That was very much what they did in 2021 to make the, the postseason ultimately. So it's really not having a belief that they're going to get over the hump as much as it's kind of going to be an extension of the 2021 season. And they're going to beat up on the bad teams because they can do that. And they're probably going to lose to the good ones. So they might make the playoffs and then they'll lose in the first round. Um, all right, so I'm be honest. You all are going to hate my answer, um, and I agree with a lot of what Brandon said. I agree with a lot of what all of you, except for except for you, Stabby, obviously. Um, and this is the division for anyone who Ed, you mentioned it, but this has not had a repeat champion this division since, two, since 2004. Just so everyone is fully aware, all of the you're, listeners. You're, you're about team? to make me the only one here who didn't pick his own team to win the division. <laughs> yeah. Um, the Dallas Cowboys have not been playoff teams in consecutive seasons since 2006 and 2007. Um, the Cowboys won 12 games last year. They have not won double-digit games in back-to-back seasons since 1995 and 1996. They are generally a team, and I acknowledge, and I think you all would too, that like who the Cowboys were in 2008 has nothing to do with who they are in 2022. But that is a weird thing. The NFC East thing is a weird thing. There are weird coincidences that are somewhat you know sportsy or whatever, um, but, but I think that they hold true. I think that the Cowboys really over-delivered, and well, now we're in over their skis but benefited from the positive side of the spectrum a lot in last year's season obviously with Micah Parsons' sacks and Trayvon Diggs' interceptions and I think that the Eagles were very similar in that sense I think the Eagles really over delivered I think last year we saw the very best version of Jalen Hurts that we will ever see and he still wasn't that good um so I think that the New York Giants are going to win the division I think wow. that they will no benefit. you don't you don't I really do no I know <laughs> no, hear, hear me out hear me out I really think that so 
you you touched on the schedule, BLG. The whole division faces an incredibly friendly schedule. The whole division gets to play the NFC North, right? And so the Packers will will beat all four teams, right? We're all like fully acknowledging of that. The Vikings are a little bit cute, whatever, but the Bears and the Lions, cool. The Giants get to play the Panthers and they get to play the Seahawks without Russell Wilson. The, the whole division gets to play the AFC South. So like we're talking about and then obviously get to play each other. I don't think the Cowboys will sweep the Giants. The Eagles did not sweep the Giants last year. I mean, I think the Giants are due for a an eight to nine win season. And this isn't the like NFC East that like the national, you know, narrative makes it out to be, but it is not a division that would, it is not a division that would require some Herculean effort to win. I could see the giants putting together, sorry, stabby, a 2020 sort of Washington season. That really means nothing. um, That is ultimately just kind of one that leaves them as the last team standing. My pick right now is the New York football giants. They're going to have two top 10 picks potentially influencing their team. Like that goes for something. I mean, you know, add your thoughts. It's, I was surprised to hear you say it, RJ. What's really interesting, you talked about Brian Dable, Joe Shane, both came from Buffalo, you know, both re, were, they helped in rebuilding, you know, a downtrodden franchise. And what's really interesting is you go back and you look at the Bills when they started that whole rebuild. They overperformed in their first year of that rebuild. And that's exactly what that would be. That would be having a year beyond expectations. And the Giants have added a whole bunch of quote-unquote competent veteran players. I mean, that's that's the that's the the sort of ideal home run scenario where Daniel Jones turns into something he hasn't been yet where Saquon Barkley stays healthy, where Kenny Galladay gives them the kind of performance that they thought they were going to get, where everything goes right for the Giants. I'm certainly not expecting it, you know, but but this is the NFC East, and, and, and Lord only knows. Even the Commanders might win it. Just yeah, for the even record, the Commanders man. might win it. <laughs> Just for, so, so we're all clear. Um, Trayvon Diggs has caught more passes from a Giants quarterback in the end zone at MetLife Field or Stadium uh, than Kadarius Tony and Kenny Galladay. But not more than Andrew Thomas. That's that's true. Uh, This was awesome. Uh, To BLG's point, I hope the listeners and viewers all enjoyed uh, hearing the beautiful voices of Ed Valentine and Brian Stabby and seeing their beautiful faces if you watched on YouTube. Ed, Stabby, do either of you have any closing statements, closing sentiments, closing words of wisdom? Stabby, you can go first. Thanks for having me on again, guys. I do think this is a ton of fun. We should do this again. Um, I'm more than willing to show my ass and have rampant (laughs) homerism. And I, again, didn't really put up too much of a fight on anything anyone said here. So, you know, that's really kind of all it comes down to. Ed, just, uh, you know, thanks for thanks for finally getting the uh, getting the 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 band together here for, you Mm. know, per se. So, I mean, this this was fun and, and we should do it more often. BLG, it truly is like, you know, this this is Spider-Man No Way Home is really what's happening here. It's all of us together right now. We're all the same person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, we really are. We all are all the same person. I'm the Tobey in- Maguire one, I think. Damn it. Uh, yeah, sorry. Why? Why do you think that? It's the best one. Uh, well, like, both. I had an emo phase, kind of like he did, I think. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. Like My Chemical Romance emo or like mm-hmm. Hoobastank emo? Yeah. Shout right. out. Yeah. Okay. Right on. MCR. Helena. Great song. Thank you for the Venom. Great song. Uh, Brandon, um, send us home, as you always do. The final nine million words belong to you. Famous last words. Nice.